WTBRFM, Pittsfield. Welcome to Ham on WTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show. Contact us on www.facebook.com slash hamjamtv. And now the hosts of the show, Peter and Jessica. Ham on. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Live from Berkshire County, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, beaming worldwide on podcast and God, streaming on Berkshire PC County, TV 1301. You're listening to Ham On. Oh, God, I hope it's Berkshire County, Massachusetts. I hope so, too, or we're, we're like really or in the wrong I'm spot. Re- or we took one heck of a left turn in Albuquerque. Mm. So we have a good show today. Oh, really? For our second time around, standing Ooh. by on the phone is Rob Nacito. Yes. KD1CY, uh, coordinator for Skywarn. He's going to talk yeah. about what's up with Skywarn since the last time we checked. Aries and NWS. Boston. Yeah, in Boston, Oregon. Yeah, so NWS Boston. Last time he was actually here in the studio. Yes. This time he's on the phone, so we'll yeah, get to him. Yeah, you kind of can't because I'm in the studio, and you can only have two people in the studio. And right now. Yes, and, and I, I've been meaning to do this because I forgot. What? I have to put this out. I, I forgot that, that, you forget? that with everything else going on in the personal business of I, I've had since September, I'm lucky I'm still doing these shows, uh, I'm in charge of putting field day together. Yes, I know you are. And I kind of laxed on my activities here. So field day is June 26th. We are going to have oh, it this year. Oh, you actually have this a year. Yes. We, uh, we are actually going to have it this year. Ooh. So what I need Exciting. is for anybody who wants to come in, come up to the field, and I'll give you the, uh, the address probably next week. I'll get it from Eric. Um, n- to come up and play on field day. It's a 24-hour event. Well, yeah. We start on a Saturday afternoon. We go right into Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so you can come up anytime you want. If you and, and I just need a few operators to kick us off. So if you want to be part of field day 2021 after all this cabin fever over the past year, we mm-hmm. are actually having it this year. Um, I think it's just a couple of miles north of us here in, in that field. I'll get, like I said, I'll get the address from um, Eric K A One S U N next for next for next week. So, anybody who wants to get in on field day, drop me an email kd 2 jkv at gmail dot com. Yay. What else we got going on? Come. Let me see the temperature went up. To about yeah, you it's, uh, it's almost two to forty. So, e wave. This is my island in the sun. Oi, oi. Sorry, yes. sorry. <laughs> little little moments. Christmas Carol popped out. I'm sorry. Little little, little moments here. Um, the continuing story of K1FFK and Echolink. Ooh, um, what are we up to now? Dave W1 Triple T is 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 programming the um, Pi Star. Pi Star. The, the, Did I hear that correctly? Pi Star? Yeah, it's called Pi Star. Okay, what exactly? Okay, here comes my question. Here comes what the question. What the heck is Pi Star? It's a little 
computer. It's about yay big. Like a Raspberry Pi? Like what I got at home. It's a Raspberry Pi, a raspberry but Pi? it runs on Pi Star. Oh. So I got I got a little piece of okay trivia. We've been, our theme's been on for over a year now. And does anybody remember where the Good Morning Vietnam came from? Yes, Good Morning, yes, Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, the late Robin Williams. The late, the late great Robin Williams. Playing Adrian Cronauer for Armed Forces Radio. Yes. I figure it was a fitting, because yes. we actually did it while he was still alive. But I figure yeah. it was actually a fitting opening. Um, instead of Good Morning Vietnam, it should have been Good Morning Pittsfield. But we're close <laughs> enough. So, <laughs> it, it's workable. Hey, you, you have, know what? What? I, I know nothing. As I put it, Robin was a sweet man, a very loving man, and he made people laugh. So, so uh, I'd well, rather remember him as a sweet, loving person than uh, made people well, laugh. Like I was saying, um, K1FFK's Echo Link's being programmed up on the Pi Star, up yes. on the uh, Raspberry Pi. Um, our link is working, so we have a nice link again going west. What kind of pie? To east. What kind of pie is it? Apple pie? It's pumpkin pie? It's any kind, pie? What any kind, kind of pie you want. Well, darn, man, I wanted to know what kind. Any kind of pie you want. It's a rhubarb. Who eats rhubarb? Who eats rhubarb? Now you're going to get, now you're going to get email going, I eat rhubarb. And I, I'm sorry. That's just one so, thing I have never tried, and I'm like, uh, why? And, and another plea I want, I want to put out. We want to get. What's the plea? We want to get in-person VE sessions going. Um, I know we're doing it. In fact, March 17th, I'm mm. going to put this out first. March 17th, mm. we have um, Heather coming in. I'll tell her to tell you what's up with this. And well, the, not coming into the studio. Well, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a long way to come into the studio from where yeah. she is. But March 17th um, will be KM6ZGB. Her name's Heather. She'll be calling mm. us from Southern California. Yeah, that mean one. She's a heck of a hike. Uh, yeah, I, I, she, she offered to get up at six a.m. Pacific time to call us oh, live. Oh man, the coffee here Make sure at coffee WTVR is FM. Your house, sweetheart. We, she'll be talking about GLARG, which is the Greater Los Angeles Amateur Radio Club, and the remote testing, which is what mostly downtown Los Angeles and the surrounding areas. Isn't well, it? And, and and apparently Pittsfield because I'm a member of that <laughs> club. So. <laughs> it's nice. The only wide, long distance member. She'll be talking about remote testing. You're what? The um, old, um, Glarg, Glarg does what a lot is it? You're the only testing. East Coast member? Uh, no, there, there's a few East Coast members. And I, I really have to put this out because I was real I am huh. so honored. Okay, you're the only Massachusetts member I, I, I am I am so honored that what? on Wednesday, March tenth, huh. we're gonna have Phil Temples in here, K nine H I. Again, not in, in here, in here but, but on the call. phone. He is the vice director for the American Radio Relay League for New England. Ooh. So we're going to have the big wigs coming in. We've got all the big wigs coming in. We got the... the, the Why is it always the, the big wigs? We got, Why is it not the small wigs? We got a big wig sitting on the phone listening to the show right now, waiting to come in, Rob Macedo. Who is what is the difference known, between a big wig and a small wig? What is the difference? Who is nationally known for Skywarn, and he's a member of Aries, and he's going to talk about what's going on with Skywarn, what's going on with Aries, and what's going on in the NWS. He's from NWS Norton, Boston Norton. Dude. 
No, and, and like last last time he was here, a lot of what he says will probably apply to what's going on here in, in the uh, western part of the state. Yes. So with that, we have a little bit of time. WTBR News. That's your cue. No. No. Uh, let me see. There's an extended uh, field day. Speaking of field day, we were just talking about field day. Yes. Are you done cutting me off? Maybe. He cuts me off on a beautiful show. He cuts me off here. It's my show. I get to do this stuff. Anyways, uh, the um, COVID nine the COVID nineteen pandemic modified AWRL field day rules from twenty twenty will continue the will continue this June with addition of a power limit imposed on Class D home stations and Class E home stations emergency power participants. The uh, the news from the uh, AWRL board program, uh, board's programs, and services committee comes with many clubs and groups that are starting participation for field day. In, uh, in earnest, uh, field day 2021 will take place the 26th and 27th of June. I got it right. You had it on that. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You had it on that paper in front of you, and I had to look it up this morning at eight thirty in the morning. You could have asked me. See, I want to partner. Sorry, I yelled. Miscommunication. Sorry, I yelled, guys. Miscommunication. Miscommunication. Work with me here. Work with me. My board. Work with me. This um, this earlier decision. This earlier decision should evaluate any hesitancy that radio clubs and individual field day participants have uh, with planning for the event. The AWRL contest programmer, uh, Paul, I'm going to butcher the last name, Burkeh? Burkeh. N1SVE. Uh, field for Field Day 2021. Class D lighting, Class D stations uh, may work all Field Day stations, uh, including other Class D stations for points this year. However, Class D and Class E stations will be limited to 150, 150 W. P-E-P-E-P output. P-E-P output. Peak envelope power. Oh, so you can only do 150 watts. 150 watts. Oh, okay. They're not going to let you run 1,500 this year. (laughs) And our game club score will be published just just as it was done last year. And the Allegheny score will be the sum of all individual entries that attune to the score, attune their score to that of a specific club. Uh, the AWRL Field Day is one of, the, one of the biggest events on the amateur radio calendar. Last summer, a record 
10,213 10, entries were received. Uh, with a greater flex, uh, flexibility efforts by the rule, afforded by the rules and waiver, mm, rule waivers, individual groups still being able to participate in field day while still saying, staying within public health recommendations or requirements. Preferred method for submitting entries after field day is the web, is via the web applet. Uh, let me see. They should be submitted by the 27th of July, 2021. And of course, the field, and of course, the AWR field day website contains complete rules, entry forms, as well as updated information as it becomes available. Cool. So it's the same rules as last year, folks. Yeah. But we will actually have a field day, so you'll be made, so you'll be able to make those contacts. All right, we're gonna go to the break. And yeah. when we return, Rob Macedo will be on the phone from Boston Norton. Yay. Do your thing. Listening to him on WTBR. No nonsense. No messing around. Just 100% pure rock. Unplug your appliances. We need the power. WTBR. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Some knowledge belongs to us and us alone. The way our girlfriends walk, talk, touch their hair. Details that only a sister can know about her girls. But what about our other girls? The ones we carry with us every day. Our bond with our sister girls gives life. But knowing your breasts can save it. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad Council. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, mostly cloudy. A chance of rain showers this afternoon. Highs in the mid 40s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, becoming south with gusts up to 30 miles per hour this afternoon. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Numerous rain showers in the evening, then scattered rain or snow showers after midnight. Lows in the lower 30s. Southwest wind around 20 miles per hour, becoming west after midnight. Chance of precipitation 60%. Thursday, partly sunny. Highs in the mid 30s. Northwest wind around 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 30 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. This is Joe Walsh. One thing I do when I'm not playing rock and roll is get on the air as an amateur radio operator. Also called ham radio is a communication service provided by ordinary people just like you and me. We have a national emergency communication system in place 24-7, 365. Find out more about amateur radio at arrl.org slash what is ham radio. See you on the air. 
Okay. Back or things not working, so we'll do that uh, later. What was not working? Oh, we something something's not working. But at, at, at any rate, sorry uh, for the little blue. Sorry, sorry about the delay. All right, on the phone, Rob Rob Macedo, KD One CY, for the second time. Rob, welcome back to WTBR FM. Welcome. Yes, uh, good to be on, albeit uh, by phone this uh, go-around uh, due to uh, COVID, but uh, always a pleasure to talk uh, to the amateur operators, spotters, and anyone who's interested in either amateur radio or weather spotting out in the western part of the state. So it's been a while since you've been on. I think it was like last summer. So remind our listeners a little bit about you. Sure. So, um, uh so I am the Eastern Massachusetts Aries Section Emergency Coordinator, and in Western Massachusetts, uh, your Aries Section Emergency Coordinator is Bob Meneguzo, K1YO. Work with him very closely uh, uh, on Aries and Skywarn. In fact, Bob was one of the net controls for the June 1st, 2011 tornado outbreak with the EF3 tornado that went through the Springfield area, Westfield, Munson, uh, to uh, Sturbridge. So very familiar with Skywarn and uh, public service and emergency communication. So uh, he's the Western Mass Aries SEC. I've been the volunteer uh, Skywarn coordinator for the National Weather Service Boston Norton since 1996. And, you know, just a side note, hard to believe, but on June 1st of this year will mark the 10-year anniversary of that tornado, uh, EF3 tornado, and it was four tornadoes on uh, June 1st um, that, that occurred uh, in one of the largest uh, tornado outbreaks uh, in in recent memory for Massachusetts. So hard to believe it's been 10 years. I, I feel like that's only been a few years ago myself, and uh, definitely the most intense and most um, valuable time to have Skywarn spotter reports was during that event, to be able to tell folks that in particular that the tornado, EF3 tornado that was affecting the Springfield area was touched down and had touched down and was doing significant damage in near real time, I think truly saved many lives. Um, there was, you know, we had the tornado warnings out, um, but just being able to tell people, no, this isn't just radar indicated. It's on the ground. It's doing significant damage. Take cover immediately. I think it was a powerful message that saved uh, many lives. It was hard to believe there were only four deaths and a couple hundred injuries from that tornado, given the time of day it was hitting, you know, during the evening commute, uh, and so forth. So uh, just a sidebar, you know, does mark that 10-year anniversary. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Professionally, I work at uh, Dell Technologies as a uh, senior principal engineer. So. Uh, uh, that's uh, uh, a little bit more uh, about me, and also a, a shout-out to Bob, our uh, K1YO, the Western Mass SEC, uh, who is doing a lot to um, revitalize and and bring uh, Aries forward in the western part of the state. So before we get really started, how did... How has the NWS handled during COVID, and how did we ha- how did you handle Skywarn Recognition Day this year because of uh, COVID nineteen? Right. So, so first off, um, there were, you know, we are as volunteers, we were are not able to go to the weather service for activations, um, and 
it, it comes, I think, a great pain to them because I think they like having us there and just being able to walk over or or yell over to us, as the case might be, from where their workstations are to where mm-hmm. our ham station is to gather reports, particularly during summertime um, severe weather events. But that wasn't going to be possible this year. Uh, so we have done a lot of the operations remotely. We've used a program called NWS Chat to interface with the forecasters. We have our own chat room that um, we use to uh, talk to the forecasters about the various reports, um, and that's and, and and that's worked, you know, as best as it can work doing it virtually. Um, there have actually been some times where there were some issues with the chat program, and we had to use emails to send reports in and. So I, I think um, we definitely can do the remote piece, but of course the other risk is if you lose internet, you lose connectivity and such. You know, you could lose that uh, line of, of communication. Uh, so, uh, but we were able to have um, folks run nets um, from their homes. Uh, I ran nets from my home on a number of occasions to gather reports during. The, the various severe weather events of the past year, and it, you know, despite having a drought, uh, and was a, I mean, from especially uh, from mid to end of July through um, uh, mid October or so, I mean, we were in a drought. Yet, even though we had the drought, we had a number of severe weather events, especially um, in the first part of the drought in late July and August, and then uh, again in early October. September was actually an extremely quiet month, but which was good for me because I got some HF antennas uh, uh, up finally at my house. Uh, so I've really done a lot of work on my home station because I'm home more. So um, I was able to get some more capability going uh, at my house with HF, um, doing wind link not just over the Internet but over uh, the HF radio. So uh, I've been doing some work on my home station to kind of beef up the capability uh, to be able to help with um, Skywarn and, and, and Aries. So that's how we've kind of handled most of the activations. Now, talking about Skywarn Recognition Day, we were not to be denied having the amateur station active at least once despite COVID. Um, our warning coordination meteorologist, Glenn Field, is an amateur radio operator, KB1GHX, and he went in on his day off and operated the station for, for a couple of hours for SRD on a couple of the local area two-meter repeaters, and as some folks may be aware, we also had a major winter storm going on during SRD this year. So not only was he taking um, contacts for Skywind Recognition Day, he was taking live snowfall reports um, and damage reports um, from the winter storm because of the heavy, wet snow uh, uh, right at the station. So uh, we did have our station active um, once last year thanks to the efforts of our WCM, and we kind of transformed Skywind Recognition Day into something where um, not only are you contacting the Weather Service offices, but contacting each other as Skywind spotters to um, get more activity and participation in the event. And I think um, it works pretty well. I mean, these changes and how we morphed this um, happened in a relatively short window of time. Um, so, obviously, when you do that, there's some things that can be improved upon, but I think we still had the event, and I think overall, given the situation with COVID, it went um, very, very well. And there was even interaction with um, non-amateur radio Skywarn spotters over Twitter and Facebook with some um, presentations on weather, presentations on what we do in amateur radio, 
you know, short 10, 15 minute clips that were done uh, on the Facebook SRD page uh, throughout the uh, event. And it, um, and, and there were other presentations that were, were given uh, as well. So uh, it was a good way to, to thank all spotters, and, you know, amateur radio operators and uh, non-amateur radio spotters, and do a few presentations and such for folks um, as things were happening. And you're listening to Ham on WTBR-FM. On the phone, Rob Macedo, Skywarn Coordinator for NWS Boston Norton. Yes. Um, I don't know if we covered this last time you were here, but for those who are listening who saying, okay, what is Skywarn? What is Skywarn? You want to fill us in? So Skywarn is the National Weather Service's volunteer weather spotting program where timely reports of severe weather help with the protection of life and property. Um, as you know, I've seen upgrades of, of watches and advisories to warnings based on spotter reports because the radar and satellite imagery can only see what's happening um, a few thousand feet up in the air. It doesn't know what's really happening on the ground. So this is what um, we're able to do with Skywarn is having the actual Skywarn spotters, amateur operators, et cetera, give us the actual news of what is really happening on the ground. And, and like I said, it does make a difference in giving timely warnings to uh, protect the public. To become a spotter, you take a training session that's available in the spring through fall of each year. So one thing I didn't mention is, well, how did we do training with COVID? So initially the plan was there was going to be a presentation that could be done online, but nobody could become a spotter um, just with the online class. That wasn't a really good solution in my mind. And um, But working with our weather service and having the years of a great relationship with them, we're able to convince them that, you know what, we can do the presentation, open it to everybody, and then if they want to be a spotter and they want to get their spotter ID, they take the 20-question quiz um, uh, that we, we uh, put together and revamped. Um, there was a path where you could do a refresher class that was five questions, um, and, and that was if you had already taken a live class. We just took that concept, made the quiz a bit lengthier, a bit more I won't say a bit more difficult, but just covering more of the material, making sure people really grasped it um, uh, from the online session, knowing that they were actually paying attention in the, the uh, online classes. You know, you take the quiz, and then if you pass it, um, you get your spotter ID from the weather service. So um, I think that was a great way to do it. That's the way we'll be doing it again this year. Uh, we are going to be planning a few sessions uh, in the spring, uh, the dates are still TBD. And then in terms of the future of training, um, you know, I think I would think in 2022 we may be able to do live classes again. I mean, we just don't know. Um, it's just going to depend on the science, on how COVID evolves, uh, the vaccines, the variants, et cetera. But I imagine we will start doing some live classes again in 2022, and possibly we may do some, a few live and a few virtual, and uh, we may also – think about developing an advanced class um, that uh, could be focused more in depth on the meteorology for those that are interested in it. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that the, the Weather Service is uh, considering, not etched in stone yet, but just for those thinking, well, how's this training going to evolve in the future? So um, that's how we're doing training. That's how we did it last year. What we're looking at doing um, for 2021, 
And again, this is for the Norton office. The Albany office may be doing things a bit differently, but um, this is what we're doing at the uh, Boston Norton office. Yes, I th and I think we should say that Rob is out of the Boston Norton office, so chances are he doesn't have a lot of idea what's going on in Albany since Western Mass is attached to Albany, but it'll give you kind of some idea and some basic stuff because mm -hmm. I think a lot of what he does at Boston Norton, they're doing in Albany. Anyway, so um, how does once one gets a spotter ID, how does, how does reports get from the spotters to the National Weather Service to... Oh, you know, Channel 10 or Channel 22 or, or to the local media. Yes, and, 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 and also to be clear, the Albany office covers Berkshire County. Uh, for those listeners out in the Connecticut River Valley, you know, in Franklin, Hampton, and Hampshire counties, uh, you're, you guys are under our office. And then in Connecticut, for anyone listening, Litchfield County is under Albany, and then counties like Hartford and Holland are, are under uh, uh, our office. So just give a I'll give a little more color there for folks uh, that might be trying to figure out, hey, I want to take training, and which office do I uh, uh, belong to here? You know, in terms of the – so once you have your spotter ID, as you report in, um, we have amateur radio nets uh, on various frequencies. We have a list of them on WXMBOX.org. Um, we also uh, monitor Echolink uh, and IRLP, um, where we're able to um, uh, gather – uh, reports uh, in that manner. There's also DMR. We have not been able to get on there uh, yet. Um, I do have DMR capability, but it's on the to-do list of getting that um, more integrated in my home station, et cetera, so I can, um, we can use that as a means for uh, reporting. Um, and then, obviously, when you become a spotter, you get a spotter or uh, a spotter phone number that you can report into for the amateurs. We like to try to keep it on our amateur network and so that the non-amateur radio spotters can get through. Um, we have our WX1BOX Facebook and Twitter feed, which uh, you can share reports that way. And sometimes amateur radio operators, if they're at work, they can't get to their radio, they'll share their information with us on Facebook and Twitter on social media, and we'll pass the information to the weather service uh, that way uh, through chat or when we eventually get back to the weather office, right directly from the weather office. And then with social media, we share reports um, out through our social media outlets to the regular media. We have an email list where we send reports to the media. They get reports that way. They also get reports on um, the Weather Service compiles local storm reports and public information statements um, that cover rainfall, snowfall, wind gusts, damage reports, et cetera. And that's another way that the media um, and others get reports. Uh, we also share this information with state emergency management. Um, and uh, other non-governmental organizations, they find this information very helpful if and when they need to respond um, to uh, uh, certain uh, uh, weather incidents when they reach a certain level. So uh, that's uh, the way the information gets shared with the media and also with some um, other agencies. And, and I know here in Berkshire County, my weather radio goes off. I get both. I get Albany's reports and, and Boston Norton's reports. You had a question, Jesse. Uh, yeah, you're ta uh, you talk about your home station and everything. What is your go-to setup for your home station? Well, so um, I have uh, a couple. I, if um, 
On my desk, uh, I, I do have a Kenwood 2000. There's actually a problem with it that needs to be repaired. That would typically might be my go-to radio, but uh, as I said, i got to get that repaired. But um, I have two Yaesu FT8900s and go-kit boxes um, that uh, I use for VHF, UHF. They're connected to a, a Cushcraft dual-bander and a, a Comet um, uh, vertical. They're actually older antennas. I'm hoping the spring to... Uh, replace them. There hasn't been any real issues with them yet, but the coax of the antennas have been up for literally 20-plus 20, 20 years. So we're <laughs> going to use this COVID time where we can't do many other things still um, to try to get that done. Uh, so it'll be when things get back to normal, um, those these things that you can never get to because of every all the other events that are going on uh, will be uh, completed. Um, but those are my go-to radios on VHF, UHF. And, again, I'd use the Kenwood 2000 for HF, but um, with that out of service, I have an Icon 706. And, you know, I'm really impressed with that radio on HF. Um, it has very good uh, uh, receive capabilities. And the antennas I put up were a 75- and 40-meter dipole that I can tune to uh, other bands. Uh, may eventually get a 60-meter dipole and maybe a vertical for 10 through 20 meters kind of round out my HF capability. Again, that's probably a, oh, nice. a couple of springtime uh, uh, projects. Uh, um, but that's kind of my uh, setup. And as I said, I do have uh, radio windling capability on DHF. Eventually, I also want to get narrowband emergency message system uh, 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 working. I do have the signal links, which I'm actually using for packet and wind link as well. Um, and uh, like I said, I do have DMR capability that I need to uh, set up. So that gives you uh, an idea of all the kind of facets of radio capability I have um, uh, in-house here. And, right. and you mentioned early on about Bob K1YO and Aries. Is uh, NWS or Skywarn or you personally involved in Aries? And if so, what is uh, everybody doing together? Yeah, so as I mentioned, um, Bob's the section emergency coordinator for Western Mass. I'm the FCC for Eastern Mass. And what, in Eastern Mass, I can tell you we've we finally uh, kind of put together a, a, a high-level airy section plan, which is something our section manager, Tom Walsh, really wanted. Um, we we uh, put that together um, in the fall of uh, last year, and we'll be making some edits and a couple of additions to it. We didn't want it to be terribly lengthy. I mean, sometimes these plans also include training and such, and they become a couple hundred-page documents, which are sometimes very difficult to use and read end-to-end -end and all that. It's about a, a two-dozen-page document, and um, we'll be adding a couple things to, to that. I actually need to go through and revamp our Skywarn manual, uh, which also uh, is, is it's there, but it's, uh, you know, it's really aged, so we're going to be doing some revamp work on that here, hoping to get that uh, going and done as well before the uh, um, before uh, kind of a return to normal. Um, in terms of uh, other areas activities, we did do um, three um, exercises at the section level, two of which were uh, coincident with um, National Red Cross exercises. So we did that um, over the course of last year, and we did another exercise here in early February uh, at the Eastern Mass section level. I know Bob is planning some exercise activity uh, here in the spring. Uh, the Red Cross is having another national exercise on May 8th that uh, we'll be participating in, in in Eastern Mass. So 
Um, and in, ter- in terms of uh, as things go forward, as some folks may have heard, the Boston Marathon is going to try to run on Monday, October 11th, um, pending the uh, state's uh, reopening plan. Um, and uh, there's more details that we're aware of. Can't can't get into all of them yet, but if that were to take place, obviously it's going to create a pretty busy fall. We also heard that the Northeast Ham Exposition right now is going to still try to be held in September, and we'll just have to see where we stand in the reopening plan, the vaccinations, et cetera. But um, we're going to start to potentially see some live events, in-person events coming back in the fall, uh, and that um, so. You know, we'll be trying to get some exercises in kind of before those events come up, especially those that would typically be planned in the spring because it's going to create some heavy activity uh, uh, as we go towards the fall if that happens. And I'm sure everybody's really hoping that it will uh, uh, at that point. So those are some of the uh, Aries activities uh, we've got uh, going on in Eastern Mass and some of the plans out in the western part of the state. So would there in any event... Uh, uh, any Skywarn event or a National Weather Service event that would cause or have Aries deploy? Well, so we have folks that are involved in Skywarn and, and Aries that um, I'll give you an example from August uh, 2nd, which was uh, one of the days we had a, a tornado. <coughs> uh, we only um, had a couple in our uh, coverage area for, for this past year that yet it was still a pretty active severe weather year, just more straight line damaging wind and hail events than tornado events this past year. Um, but uh, we did have a tornado in Tallinn, Massachusetts, and we gathered reports. And um, we, we had reports of damage. It was getting towards evening. It was getting dark. But we did have a couple of amateur radio operators, Larry N1LWS and Adam WX4FUN, who got us some pictures of damage. It was at night, hard to see what was really happening, but at least we knew the kind of damage that was out there. We knew the storm was potentially tornadic. It had, um, had potential tornadic activity out in Sandusfield in Berkshire County. Uh, the next day, Adam went back out and he had a drone, and he was able to get some aerials of damage in Tallinn, Mass. Um, and our warning coordination meteorologist, Glenn Field, coordinated with the Weather Service in Albany and Albany gave um, Glenn permission to um, survey the damage in Sandusfield because it wasn't far from Tolland, which is in our coverage area. And he went out and looked at Sandusfield, and he looked at Tolland. And um, Adam's information and the fact he used his drone and was able to um, map out the areas and the key areas to look at made Glenn's uh, life and, and being able to survey the, the damage much, much easier. He knew where to go, where to look, had Adam... Uh, meet up with them and um, point out the areas, show them the aerial fo- footage, made it very clear that it was uh, an EF0 tornado. He was able to document it and save pro- Glenn probably hours of work because as it is, it takes about three hours or so to get out to the western part of the state um, from uh, the Norton office and not having to search for the areas and having them kind of documented already and know where to look specifically just saved him a lot of time, and that allowed a report to go out uh, on that uh, Monday evening uh, of the 3rd. And it was good to get that report out when we did because the next day was Tropical Storm Issa Eas and its impact across the area with widespread pockets of tree and wire damage and power outages in Connecticut and Massachusetts. So uh, that's just an example of how um, 
you know, it wasn't a formal deployment per se, but it was, um, there was damage reports. Um, we wanted to get some pictures and such. And again, if public safety tells us we can't go in an area, we cannot go in the area. But um, we were able to get in the area. Luckily, because it was such a rural area, I think there was less issues with power lines and, and, and such. Um, so we were able to get in the area and um, document some of the damage, get some ideas of the, the areas to go look, and then um, follow up the next day with some daylight to um, get better pictures and also aerial uh, uh, photos with um, Adam's drone. And Glenn, you know, personally praised um, Adam and made sure the entire staff at the Weather Service knew his efforts, amateur radio's efforts, and documenting this and, and getting this um, covered and, and helping him with the survey. So this is an example of how um, we can do further support of, a, of an incident um, helping the National Weather Service. And you're listening to Ham on the WTBR-FM. On the phone, Rob Nacido, KD1CY. Skywarn coordinator, SCC. And I'm not mistaken, and I'm not mistaken during ECNs, we were one of those people that had the power out yeah, in for SC, two days. SEC for uh, Aries and Skywarn coordinator for Boston Norton. So, Rob, walk us through a typical Skywarn activation for those that have no clue what we're talking about today. Yeah, so... I mean, it's different between summer and winter. Like in the winter, what we try to do is we'll try to have net call-ups um, periodically. Um, sometimes the gaps could be as big as three, four, five hours. Like this uh, two-day storm that we had last week, you know, was three to seven inches of snow, but it fell over like a 36-hour period. So we had a couple nets spaced out, you know, you know really in, in a couple cases, um, just one or two nets for the whole event, just because it was so spaced out so far in time. Um, but um, in our some of our more intense storms with the high snowfall rates, we've had we had nets um, on area repeaters every couple hours or every hour to um, cover those those snowfall rates, and and we can kind of give a rough start time and then schedule nets um, after that first net within uh, you know every hour every couple hours. Um, for summertime severe weather, it, right, it just you know we have a rough time range, a window, say from two to eight p.m. or three to ten p.m. But when we have to call up the the actual nets for reporting, you know it's in a time window, and it just has to spin up when a severe thunderstorm or tornado warning is issued. When a watch goes out, we may announce that on area repeaters, but we don't need to have a closed net until the storms move into the actual coverage area of the of the repeaters. So. When we, um, we have a concept of self-activation, which means, you know, the Weather Service doesn't have to call me or, or, or have me have to call coordinators to um, get active. If there's a severe thunderstorm or tornado warning in effect, um, we, you, you know, we get nets up based on those warnings um, and, and, and report um, as, as that happens. Or... If there's no warnings out, but we're getting reports meeting the Skywarn reportable criteria, we just get a net up. We don't um, wait for any, um, you know, formal notification to come down in those situations because if we're getting a warning that's issued or we're getting um, reports that meet our criteria, then there's, there's enough justification to get a net going in, in those situations. In the winter storms, it's easier. We, you know, we have the advisories. We have the warnings. So we know 
is to start nests at certain times, and then what frequency to have them is based on the storm uh, intensity. So, um, and then, like I said, we, we you know we typically will say when we have ops at the weather service, but um, obviously we have not had that um, due to COVID. And um, again, that's another thing that we'll see how that evolves as we move through the course of the year. Um, when we'll be able to start operations back up at the weather service. So Skywarn activation on these nets, because they do Skywarn activation here on K1FFK, sometimes we'll get somebody from NWS Albany popping in, and sometimes we'll get, I think it's KC1QKQKE, it's call sign. Uh, Alex there, QQH, or I forgot his call, but he'll come in. DGA. No, that's not it. He'll come in um, sometimes from uh, Boston Norton. Does it matter for us out here in Western Mass who we give the information to? Not not really. You know, if it gets to the Albany office and it's for our office, they'll relay it to us and vice versa. You know, there's been many a time. Um, if Albany isn't on the air and we have um, folks li- liaisoning from our office to Berkshire County because we want to know what activity is coming in through Berkshire County to tell our office, we'll tell our office and then we'll also tell the Albany office. So, uh, and, and that's how it usually works is we oftentimes are relaying back to Albany because there's a keen interest on, you know, generally speaking, it's not always this way, but generally speaking, the weather's coming in through Berkshire County before it gets to our coverage area. So often we, we are monitoring um, uh, the Greylock repeater either, you know, we can't, we sometimes can hear it out here in the east, but, you know, not obviously not always. We'll have some of the folks, um, for example, that run nets on the Mount Tom repeater, monitoring Mount Greylock, getting the reports um, from Berkshire. If Albany's not on the air, they'll get it through to us. We will tell our office and tell the Albany office because, we're very interested in what's happening in Berkshire County that may dictate um, what warnings get issued further east. So, um, so, but like I said, there are other times you might have an Albany spotter in our coverage area that they report into Albany, and Albany will relay the information to us. So it kind of works in, in both directions. So since last time you were on, we now have actually a connection um, through the entire state, um, our, we have our Echolink hooked up to MMRA through W1HAI. Um, would you guys ever, or I know Albany probably might, but would you ever consider using, if we bring the links up during activation, um, go through, you know, use the connection we have through all the Echolinks into K1FFK and MMRA for a uh, major Skywarn activation? Yeah, we could definitely do that. And Joe, uh, W1HAI, he's kind of our net manager for our monthly section-wide Eastern Mass Aries net, um, as well as heavily involved in NTS traffic. I know you had him on a couple weeks ago. He um, He's also familiar with Skywarn, and um, that's definitely another path that we can look at when needed is um, linking through MMRA or even directly linking into um, Echolink on our end. And we do have the... New England three conference on Echolink that we can bring the the uh, Greylock repeater uh, into uh, as well over Echolink. So there's a number of options there that are all um, can be helpful in relaying information from Berkshire County uh, into uh, our section and into the Weather Service. 
And you're listening to him on, and we are going to go to the break. So we will be back with Rob, and we'll talk some more Aries and NWS right after the break. So, Rob, stick around. You're listening to him on WTR. Radio for people who used to love radio. Welcome back. WTBR. Okay, kids, Dad's going to teach you how to dance. First, spread your feet apart. Then, pump your knee, nod your head, shake your hips, and bite your lip ever so slightly. Now, with one hand in the air, point at people with the other hand. I call that the rock star. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now, make a face like it just smells something bad. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. WTBR-FM is listener-supported radio. That means we depend on your donations to keep the station on the air. All the local content and the music you love requires your support. You can make your donation today at WTBRFM.com by calling 445-4234 or stopping by our studio at 4 Federico Drive in Pittsfield. You'd be glad you did. Pittsfield Community Radio, for the love of radio. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, mostly cloudy. A chance of rain showers this afternoon. Highs in the mid-40s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, becoming south with gusts up to 30 miles per hour this afternoon. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Numerous rain showers in the evening, then scattered rain or snow showers after midnight. Lows in the lower 30s. Southwest wind around 20 miles per hour, becoming west after midnight. Chance of precipitation 60%. Thursday, partly sunny. Highs in the mid-30s. Northwest wind around 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 30 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Well, hello. Hi. Wow, you are looking fabulous. Is that a Gucci handbag? And your shoes are gorgeous. They're Italian leather. This skirt is Chanel, and I treated myself to this Tiffany bracelet, too. Did you get a raise? I wish. No, I got all this and more at Catwalk Boutique. Catwalk Boutique? That's right. I got the Gucci handbag and Chanel skirt at the Great Barrington location and the Tiffany bracelet at the Lennox store. Well, you have to tell me about Catwalk Boutique. You will love it. It's an upscale resale shop for women. They have something for everyone from casual to designer and everything in the shop is donated best of all 100% of the proceeds benefit Berkshire Humane Society (laughs) I think Mitzi approves I have to check it out I'm headed there now want to join the shop is dog friendly so Mitzi can come too Oh, absolutely catwalk boutique the more you shop the more animals you save find us on Facebook Instagram and at catwalkboutique.org we would be honored if you would join us. WTBR. And we are back live here on WTBRFM with Rob Nacido, KD1CY, Skywarn Coordinator, and SEC for Eastern Massachusetts. Uh, let's see what else we got. So uh, let's talk about how we, you know, uh, calm down, slow down. English. English. Uh, you have any anything to uh, about Aries? Um, we're trying. You know, I know uh, W One Triple T here. Um, the assistant SEC is trying to get more people into Aries. So, um, Rob, you want to give your uh, Aries pitch? Yeah. So 
the ARIES program, I, I think, is a great program to be involved in. And obviously, ARIES and the National Traffic System, uh, run by Marsha Ford, uh, have a, a good uh, working relationship, and we like to get folks to kind of do both um, wherever folks have the time to do so. I mean, ARIES membership now, I think there's been kind of a bit of a revamp of ARIES and and to emphasize training, but also to emphasize that people may have limited time to do training. So they've kind of come up with three ARIES levels, with the first level being you kind of get registered and you're in the program and maybe you're taking some of the local um, ARIES workshops or presentations that may get offered um, from ARIES or from various local radio clubs. We encourage folks, uh, if possible, to take the Skywarn training because that's such an integral part of what we do here in southern New England, supporting the National Weather Service. Um, it's kind of more of a recommendation than a requirement, and as are the other kind of training items that I mentioned, um, to be a Level 1 ARIES member. Then uh, for Level 2 is when you take the ICS or Incident Command System classes, the 100, 200, 700, and 800, and the ARL EC001 course. Um, so those are some of the courses, you know, to be a level two member. And these are folks that can then deploy to EOCs, deploy to shelters. And the ICS classes are all classes that um, public safety folks have to take, uh, folks in Red Cross, Salvation Army, take them, et cetera. So it's not like it's a, a bigger burden for amateur radio operators. It's the same as all other volunteers and other um, volunteer disciplines for public service and, and disaster scenarios. And then there's level three, which is either some FEMA professional development series classes around volunteer management and, and such. And this is for folks that become emergency coordinators, district emergency coordinators, SECs, um, take those classes or ICS 300 and 400. And the 300 and 400 classes, they were only live classes, obviously, with COVID. They have done them remotely. And, and I think those are, are a little bit, I think, of overkill for even ARIES leadership because we generally don't run events um, from an amateur radio perspective um, other than our own piece of the activation. Um, the professional development series classes in some ways are a little bit better. And there's some time windows and waivers that can be offered for the different um, classes when you're in the Level 2 and Level 3 um, ARIES memberships levels. And, again, the training is just to – it's. It's important because in some cases they're required, um, like the ICS classes in particular for level two. Um, they're required classes um, um, uh, that even all first responders and, and others involved in an incident um, um, take. Um, but you know, it's it's just to show seriousness in, in, in being involved in the in the mission. But kind of with the three levels, you can kind of pick how active you can be based on the time you have available. And level one ARIES members, right? There's nothing there that says if you don't have ICS on the train, you can't help run a net from home. You can't help with, you know, the, some of the examples I gave of, of being able to help with um, assessing damage for the weather service and things like that. So I think it's good that we have these levels and more training at more levels to show seriousness to agencies about our commitment to um, uh, working with them. Uh, but also um, there's a lot we can do that doesn't require being in an EOC, et cetera, where you may not have time, folks may not have time for some of those other training classes, yet they can still participate and perform critical functions like running nets and, um, you know, the example I came with the Weather Service was um, helping out with a, a damage survey and, and things like that. So 
you know, those are some of the things that are available to folks. And um, speaking of trainings, do you have any Skywarn? I know you probably don't know what Albany's doing, but do you have any Skywarn trainings over in Boston Norton coming up? So we're still trying to, um, we're still putting together that schedule. We will probably have it out within the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're actually going to be speaking with the Weather Service forecast tomorrow and doing our our once to twice per year coordinators. Um, you would be a meeting at the Weather Service now. Obviously, a, a uh, Google meet meeting in this case, um, uh, uh, virtually to uh, go through uh, all those things. So, um, so we will have that training schedule out within the next couple. Of so with, with about two minutes left, it was a, it was a quick hour. About two minutes left in the program. Um, your any final thoughts and email addresses or websites that you would like to get out over the air? Yes. Yeah. So um, wx1box.org um, is our website. That's the amateur radio station at the Weather Service Boston Norton. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter via our call sign wx1box. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Um, uh, Eastern Mass Aries, uh, emaarl.org slash Aries. Uh, and you can go to wma.arl.org for information on the Western Mass section and on Western Mass uh, Aries. Mentioned the training uh, schedule will be out in the next few weeks for, and again, it'll be virtual classes. And then to become a spotter, you take an online quiz. Uh, those are, are some of the, uh, the key things I'll mention. And then, honestly, just a, a, a thank you to all the Skywarn spotters and amateur radio operators out there and those that might be interested in joining us. This mission can't happen without um, everybody's help and support, and, and it's a great community service. And, you know, everybody's been through a lot with this pandemic and, and some of the other uh, political situations. You know, it's great to kind of just get away from all that, get away from um, being locked up for so long and some of the other um, divisions that have uh, uh, stressed people and do something for the good of the community and for the good of, 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 of humans in general. And I think some of this work is great to show that community service and that force multiplier of people coming together and doing uh, great things. And it's a lot of fun as well, and we have fun doing it. So thanks to everybody, and thanks to you, Peter, and team for having me on the show today. And Rob, thanks for being here. You're uh, you're in that you're in that two, number two party. You're a second time on the show. Thanks, yes. Rob. Good guy, great guest as always. Hopefully, we'll get you back on uh, for some updates. Rob Macedo, KD1CY, SEC, Aries, Eastern Mass, and Skywarn coordinator for Boston Norton, uh, seventy three there, Rob. And uh, hope to uh, talk to you more. Seven three to the hams out there, and for the non-hams, that means best regards, and we'll catch everybody on a future show sometime uh, in the in, in, down the road. <laughs> Some neat drink. All right, that was uh, that was uh, Rob Macedo from uh, Boston Norton. So, with a little bit of time here, we're going to catch up because we just went a little late. bit of time here. We have like a minute, so really quick. <laughs> Uh, WNDAN will be on next week. Phil Temples the week after that. And Heather from Los Angeles will be on the week after that. 
and we are still looking to book some dates. Remember, I'm looking for a place to do a VE session. If you can donate some space for about, oh, half an hour, for about two hours or so for like four or five people, kd2jkv at gmail.com. And that's it from here.